What's going on? Welcome back to the No Clue Podcast, episode 213. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Mike. I'm Tyler. Welcome. We are four games in to the, what, this is the second round now? Yeah. Second round of the playoffs. Um, Are you surprised by any series? One. Okay. Let's start with that one. Uh, Boston and Philly. Okay. Okay. Two two. So, <clears throat> yeah. So two both teams kind of to me had all the wins have been convincing. Mm-hmm. Even though the games have been fairly close. Uh yeah. to me, Philly's wins showed I guess a collective dynamic that I didn't see from them. Okay. Where they found a way to play faster for everybody to be aggressive without Embiid. Mm -hmm. And this last game, they found a way to do that with Embiid. Mm -hmm. And that really had been a big problem when he came back in that second game was how much their pace slowed down, how much the guys kind of look out of place. Yep. And finally, in this fourth game... They looked like a good like roster. Yeah. 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 Everyone got shots. Everyone got looks. Uh and like you said, everyone is, was really able to be aggressive with him out there. Yeah, I mean, I just I didn't think they would be able to go toe to toe with Boston consistently. Mm-hmm. But there there are some like ways that I, I did expect them to keep up, like Boston's, you know, own mistakes, which of course are still happening. Uh mm-hmm. I mean Boston to me is like a carbon copy of what they were last postseason. They are just with a couple guys that <clears throat> suit a little bit better. Basically everything else is the same. But the difference yeah. is last year with Boston, there was a poise down the stretch. Mm-hmm. That in the two games Philly won, they didn't have. Yeah, um, why do you think that is? I I don't think they expected Harden to play as well as he did in those two games. Oh, so you think it was defensively the poise? Yes, that they didn't have because I the the offensive stuff like you know we'll get to Golden State. I mean they they have offensive issues. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, Boston doesn't surprise me with turnovers. Mm-hmm. But not being able to dictate, like, not being able to contain Harden, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Not really keeping guys out of the paint, like Maxi and Tobias. Who not? It's not that they're playing well, but you're allowing them to kind of open up things for other guys. Yeah, part of that is Embiid 
being out there and being a threat even from the three point line, you know. But yeah, they should be prepared for that, and he really hasn't been shooting that well. Um, so them not keeping guys out the paint that's really not an excuse for me. Um, their lack of poise offensively is them not getting guys who have been playing well more like the shots at the end of the game. Like in this, in this, we're talking about the fourth game now, but in the fourth game, uh, I want to say Tatum started out 0 for 9, right? Yeah. Or 0 for 8 at least. Yeah. And, you know, the last three possessions went through Tatum. When Jalen Brown played fantastic in this game, Brogdon, like, couldn't miss in this game. And instead of saying, let's run something where we have looks for Brogdon and Brown, we're just going to one-on-one Tatum three possessions in a row. And I don't get me wrong, Tatum's the go-to guy. I get it. He's the best shot creator on the team. But at the end of those games, as good of a team as they are, they should know, well, okay, let's feed the guy who's been playing well. Let's just move into an offense where um, we have a lot of different looks to hit a game-winning shot or a big shot. And they just went to Tatum one-on-one again. And that's not really – they tried that last year and it didn't work. Yeah, and it's like there's a weird line for Boston because there there are times when Philly's defense is is just horrible. Yeah, and it, like there's no real pressure on Boston to like do specific things or adjust in any way. Yeah, and again, in Boston's two wins, I mean, they were blowouts. You know, they dominated. Uh, that third game was like a ten minute blowout. Yeah. So, like. Boston to me still could easily win this series, mm-hmm. but now, now like what Harden did in Game One wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, this last game he's he's attacking from everywhere, and it got to the point where he started figuring out even Jalen Brown, who was doing a good job on him. Mm-hmm. Like Maxi has slowly figured out Boston's defense. Uh, t- like Tobias Melton, these guys, they're starting to like really find good spots to get shots versus yeah. versus Boston, who's just not focused. I agree. So that's really the biggest shock to me. I, I really didn't think uh, Philly could go toe to toe and clearly they can. They can. And they, as you said, they could win this series. And yes, it is going to come down to how aggressive the other players are I, I don't even think necessarily they have to shoot that great or you know hit a lot of threes or anything like that I think they just have to keep being aggressive like in this last game Maxie didn't shoot that well but he was super aggressive he got to the rim he got shots he got to places where PJ Tucker and Tobias and Embiid could rebound his misses and um, get another look uh, they had a lot of op- offensive rebounds in yeah. this game um, and that comes from good shots. Offensive rebounds comes from good shots. You don't get a lot of offensive rebounds off bad shots. Yeah. So, and I think this might be the first playoff game that I've seen Harden and Bead and Maxi all be able to be aggressive in the same game. Yeah, me too. So that me to too. me, and it's not like Boston was just letting them do whatever. To me, like now the blueprint should be there for how to play well as a team. 
I agree. And that to me, if they could find a way for those three guys to to all play well, I mean, mm-hmm. it, that's that's the recipe for success right there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I completely agree. I agree. So who do you have for the rest of the series? You still have Boston? And how many Boston games? and seven. Boston and seven? Okay. Yeah. I I think that game seven is just, you know, Boston has so many different things they could throw at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of great things for Boston. Like the guards are playing fairly well. I mean, Smart has just been feasting on mm-hmm. uh, everybody on Philly, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to Tatum being consistent. That's if if he can be consistent two games, that they probably win those. I agree, and I think one thing that's Kind of, uh, I wouldn't say scary, but the Celtics should really be thinking about is that Embiid really hasn't had his monster game yet. Like he's played pretty good in these games. Um, the last game, you know, this fourth game, he played well, uh, but he hasn't had his like, you know, yeah, monster yet. So yeah, and he's he's due for one. So I, I assume Philly wins that one, but. I would say Boston is seven as well. I think Boston is still the better team. They just, I just, I, none I'm, of this surprises me about them blowing games. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. It's only yeah. Philly's really the surprising team to me. Yeah, and like I didn't think Harden had the two games. I mean, game one and game four. I didn't think he had that. Yeah, having forty. Yeah. So if he, I mean, if he has two more of those, mm-hmm. uh, Boston might be in in serious trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on pretty quick to let's stay in the East. Let's talk about the Heat and the Knicks. Where do you so, want to start? Is the question. Um. Do you want to give Miami know. some credit first before we deep dive the Knicks? No, I I don't really have a deep dive for the Knicks. I I'll give Miami credit. Miami looks. Miami's shooting better than anyone in the playoffs right now, as far as like a whole team. I I haven't seen that's so I hate that because they were like they were horrible offensively all year. They were and have been like team hot throughout the playoffs. Yeah, and, and everyone is getting shots off. Everyone is shooting well. They're they're just they're just on fire. Um, I think everyone who got in this last game except for Highsmith and uh, Zeller and Bam. So everyone except for the big guys made a three in this last game. Jimmy hit one, Love hit two, Shoes hit four, Lowry hit two, Martin hit two, Duncan Robinson obviously hit one. So they just have shooters all over the floor. They attack, they attack, they attack, and they find guys open. So, And then, you know, we already know Jimmy Butler is one of the hardest guys to check in the league. I think Jimmy Butler is probably the best at drawing fouls in the league. Um, he just doesn't as often as maybe some other guys like Embiid because he's so big. But yeah. when Jimmy wants to, wants you to get a foul, there's nothing you can do to stop him from drawing a foul yeah. on you, which is crazy. But and and Jimmy's so reliable because he he always gets a good shot for himself. Mm-hmm. And Miami's like interesting sometimes, especially when they're shooting well. 
they don't depend on Jimmy creating good shots. No, they don't. And I think Miami, what makes Miami one of the biggest contenders in the playoffs left, they're the most patient team on offense. Yeah. Maybe in the league. I mean, definitely in the playoffs right now. And it, it is because Jimmy never takes bad shots ever. He'll if he doesn't have a good shot, he'll just wait. He'll dribble some more. He'll pump fake two or three times, or he'll pass it. And, yeah. Until he gets and our criticism shot. of him is always he's passing too much. I've never yeah. once watched Jimmy Butler like I don't know if he should have took that shot. <laughs> never, never, never feel yeah. that way. And then um, the rest of the guys still probably other than Duncan Robinson, who just takes every time his fingers. He can feel basketball on his fingers. He just puts it up. Everyone else, they wait for a good shot. They get to a good spot. You know, they get good vision on the rim. Um, they all just wait until it's their turn to get a good shot off. And I think that makes Miami really, really dangerous because I don't really know any other team. I haven't seen any other team in the playoffs right now that do that. Yeah. And Miami defensively has also kind of, shown a gear i didn't expect mm-hmm. uh like you i mean they're just controlling the glass they're all yeah. over the all the hustle plays they're all over it yeah which i've seen before from spolster teams mm-hmm. like miami's kind of the prime example of when i talked about uh the season not mattering as much yeah like miami kind of didn't really build on anything didn't develop their younger players really like they really had no momentum all year Mm -hmm. and i mean they barely i mean they didn't even have momentum in the play-in right and they've turned it on and i really didn't think they could do it on both ends yeah and they i mean they lost their best young player and then they picked up who would be the oldest player on their team so, you know, they pick up Love and they lost Hero and they still look look great, which is it which is pretty um pretty tough to do. Um so the Knicks. The Knicks biggest issue in my opinion is rebounds. Offensive rebounds. Um well, I guess for them defensive rebounds. They they just let Miami get four or five six chances per possession and Knicks are one and out part of it is because Randall is the best rebounder and he's usually 25 feet from the basket when that's anyone a, that's shoots. a major problem that's a, that's a big problem of it. it when you're losing the reba- rebounding battle you may have to switch that up eventually you know if if you're Randall if you're Thibodeau um that's the thing man Miami just gets look after look Lowry's getting rebounds, offensive rebounds. Obviously, Jimmy Butler gets some. Caleb Martin is like spying over Hartenstein and uh, and uh, Mitchell Robinson. And, um, you know, obviously, Love has always been a good rebounder. Bam has always been a good rebounder. But it's the other guys that are skying and getting these rebounds. Struess is coming in and getting offensive rebounds on the Knicks. And you just can't win. You can't win that way when you have a team that shoots that well. Guys who don't take bad shots and they keep getting their own rebounds, and we're coming down. The Knicks are coming down. Barrett takes a tough shot, and then Miami is going the other way that quick. Yep. Uh, 
And there's other things wrong, but that to me, especially in this last game, was the biggest issue. There, I think there was one time Miami had the ball for like a full two minutes because of offensive rebounds and fouls. I think it was it might have been third quarter. It, yeah. They just got like four or five offensive rebounds, foul. It took it out, took a in shot, got another quarter, offensive rebound. In the rebound. fourth quarter, every time it felt like, all right, Knicks, like here comes the shot. It, like it's it's you contested it. It's coming off momentum to go down the other end and score. Didn't secure the rebound. Now we got to defend again. And now, you know, guy cuts and, and all of a sudden, all like sometimes to your point, it was multiple possessions. You're getting yeah. stops. Like you're, they got you're clearly capable of controlling the game defensively. But the, the last step, the effort of, of playing defense, rebounding, you're not, you're not all over it. Yeah. Dude, that's been the, probably the most disturbing issue for them. Yeah, and and you're right. It was the fourth quarter. That was that was when it was just really going crazy. I think they had like eight offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. I mean, and you just it's just impossible to win like that, dude. You got the commentators crying like again. Miami set another opportunity, like another chance. Miami's just all over the effort plays. Like, dude, the commentators are seeing how blatant the advantage is. Yeah, and and the thing is it. To your point, it is effort. When it's Struess, it's Martin, it's exactly, uh, it's Lowry. It's e- that's effort. It's effort. not. It's not like the big guys. It's not like Bam is getting this crazy amount of offensive rebounds. It's it's the other guys that get offensive rebounds that hurts you. So, yeah, I mean, Caleb Martin had three offensive rebounds. Jimmy had three. Lowry had two. Like, you know. So you know what else is a is a big problem watching this series, especially these last couple games. Yeah, the, the Knicks personnel are like this is just a bad matchup for them. It is absolutely like Brunson. You can't hide Brunson on anyone on Miami. Nope, that's one thing. Like even even High High Smith, who has really no significant offensive game. Mm-hmm. Like he, they find him corner shots, they find him putbacks and cuts, and he'll all of a sudden screen and roll to the basket. Yeah, nobody, nobody's like a weak link for Miami. No, they're not. So now so. Brunson is not shooting a high percentage because Miami's really locked in on containing him. Mm-hmm. Which that's a whole other problem. Why are they locked in on Jalen Brunson like he's the best player? He's not even playing well. Right, but on the other end, you're getting picked on by the shooters. Mm-hmm. Like you, okay. If Struess hits uh, six threes or whatever, like that's his game. It is what it is. We lost him on maybe offensive rebounds or screens, whatever the case may be. We we can adjust to that. Yeah, Struess is leaking out for dunks. Yep, Struess is keeping the ball. On a handoff and getting a layup, yeah, like and it's getting to the point where Struess has so much confidence that he's shooting with Brunson there, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're playing good defense in theory, but when you consistently have a guy, you know, five six inches shorter contesting, and Struess mm-hmm. has been playing lights out this whole series, yeah, like you should have something different to throw at him. 
Yeah. And, and oh, go ahead. But then, like, th- this last game, really, like, what? Yeah. what's the alternative? They, they also overreact on, cer- on certain guys. Like, Caleb Martin hits 1-3, and then they run out there, and for the rest of the night, he was pump faking and getting dunks. They had, like, three dunks yes. off of three pu- – three-point pump fakes because he hit one early. You know, if Caleb Martin beats you from the three-point line, that's just a game you're going to lose. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So that's one thing that the closeouts, the containing the containing players, the not letting guys into the paint, those situations have been really bad for the Knicks. But to your point, the Knicks have been competitive in all these games. They're proving that they can keep up with Miami as far as stops, even in scoring for the most part, because the Knicks have threats all around all the time. The problem is they, they can't get they can't finish the plays on defense. No. no. And and honestly, man, the Miami role players have been in like a different class than New York. I mean, yeah, I, I, I thought like part of what made the series exciting. It was because I thought the roles were very defined for both teams. All the role players on both sides kind of knew exactly what they're out there for. I mean, yeah. What in what is quickly even coming in the game for? Yeah. I mean, he comes in the game like he knows. and it's like Barrett's time to chuck like whatever. Mm-hmm. And like we're we're desperate for a good shot, and RJ Barrett is who we're playing through. I mean, yeah. Barrett can't get an easy shot to save his life, even though he's the third option. Mm-hmm. Hart, Hart just doesn't want to take a lot of shots because he's too unselfish of a player, which I like about him. Mm-hmm. But it's to the point where, like, if Barrett is shooting everything, Hart, yeah. like, go ahead and, t- and get a couple extra misses in if that's what it takes. Yeah. but It's just like yeah. the shot distribution for the Knicks has gotten worse. Brunson has had to work harder as this series has gone on. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and you know, I oh good. And and yeah. the last thing, like, yeah, Hart's a good defender. It's not good enough to go to stop Jimmy Butler by himself. No, he's not. He's not. And you know, Miami's role players are much more experienced than the Knicks. Yes. And that's 100%. that's obviously showing so much. Because Grimes Grimes looks lost on offense and defense a lot of times out there, and I like Grimes, but you know he just runs around out there sometimes, taking um, horrible shots too. Horrible shots. Well, you don't Barrett. get going. You don't get going shooting steps behind the line in people's face. Yeah, yep. I mean, and he really he takes no mid range jumpers for some reason. None. None. I don't really get it. Barrett is another one who's just you know he's trying to. I think he. He's trying to make something happen all the time, trying to like get momentum shots. And you, you don't always need that. Not every time down court. Uh Toppin, he comes in there and is lost most of the time, but you know, he and makes some good plays. Thrived against Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, front court, what what Cleveland uh what New York did to Cleveland's front court, Miami's doing to their front court now. Yep. I mean, bam, Cody Zeller. These guys look in a different league than than anyone on the Knicks front court. Yeah. And and that's just disappointing, man. I mean, again, to, the experience is there, so I understand. 
Mm-hmm. But the fact that the advantage has been so substantial for Miami, I, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, and then another thing is some of the other guys, to your point, they have to be aggressive. Like I know I said Topping gets lost out there, but when he is out there, he gets lost because he's not being aggressive. Hart isn't being aggressive. Hartenstein played 15 minutes and took one shot this game, this past game. One shot. And how? I mean, like he's around the rim all the time. How how do you all the time? Topping to your point, like even when he's aggressive, it's all threes. Dude, you're the best athlete in the gym. How do you not get a lob? Best athlete in the gym at all times. He doesn't get yeah. a lob. I mean, if Jericho Sims was healthy, he he <laughs> might take that title, but right. still, like, you know. Cut, bro. Make something happen in transition. He'll run out, look faster than everybody, and just spot up. It's crazy. It's, it's just gross. And I mean, shout out to him. He has been shooting good, but you know, that's not what that's not what the Knicks need from him. Yeah. Who, and, um, before we move uh-huh. on, I gotta cover uh the last point for me with the Knicks. Yeah, what's up? You told me. Randall would be the biggest mismatch in the series. Supposed to be. The fuck is going on? <laughs> uh the biggest he's the biggest mismatch because he can't guard anyone without fouling on the other end. That's that's why. That's the biggest mismatch. Instead of him being the biggest mismatch on offense, they're exposing <laughs> the him weakest on link. Yeah, they're attacking him on Dude. defense and he's fouling everyone. Bro, again, I don't want to hear about the ankle. Like, this guy, it's bad decision after bad decision. It is. On on both ends. Like, Miami, the first couple games, I was okay with, like, Miami kind of really focusing in on Brunson because he, he kind of carried them in the Cleveland series. Yeah. But Miami is – we're four games in. Miami's game plan is successful – and they're still going to probably do it this next game where they're going to put uh, probably either Martin or they're going to put com- all good defenders on uh, on Brunson. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the point, I'm at the point where like, yeah, Miami's smart to be doing that because you're not ready, Randall. Like, mm-hmm. no composure. It's back to everything is on the perimeter. I mean, he it's like we forgot how to post up with, with our size. We're trying to elbow people. Mm-hmm. We're driving into traffic, not seeing the floor. I mean, Brunson is seeing the floor and he's getting strapped. Yep. They're not even guarding you seriously and you're not seeing the floor. Yep. Like, dude, they're not they're not focused on him. They're not communicating, like they're not really stressing about who has Randall. How do we contain him? Like, he hasn't even been enough of a threat for that. Yeah, and he hasn't even been as aggressive as he should be. No. He's like this, that that's where to me all the other disappointments I could live with, Randall should be able to overcome some of that. So last game he shot 62% from the field. That means you didn't take enough shots. Not at all. If you shot that good, I mean 8 for 13. I know 13. he was in, He was in terrible foul trouble. I I get that, but he played 39 minutes. RJ Barrett outshot him. I understand how foul trouble get, gets you to not shoot the ball. I mean, all he does is seem to want to shoot it. 
Like, but again, Miami has welcomed him to dominate them, and he has not like stepped up to the challenge at all. I agree. Yeah. That's another thing that's just been so disappointing for me. I I really thought Butler and Randall would be going toe to toe, and it's it's not been the case at all. I mean, even Jimmy Butler hasn't had to dominate because he's just controlled the games. Yeah. Um if this is says anything for the Knicks as far as you know the front office Randall needs he needs more help either he needs help or he needs to be the the one B to someone else and it's not Brunson Brunson isn't the Brunson can't be the Listen, best player if, on the team. if he can't guard Max Struess it, it's not going to get easier playing Boston or whoever you meet in the finals right you know yeah. or whoever next year teams are going to get better mm-hmm it's it's a different ball game to be a star role player versus a full time star player. Yep. Playoffs, yep. you get exposed either way. Yeah, because you're playing the best of the best. And and they're best doing the to to Brunson what they did to, to Trey Young uh, last year, I think, or the year before. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um. Obviously, we have the Heat winning that one. Do you Knicks. think Knicks will it'll be over next game, or are we getting maybe a little game six excitement? Um, I think it'll be over next game. I, I think the Heat will want to break before they play the winner of the next winner of that Philly Boston. I can't believe we might get a rematch in the conference finals. Yeah, maybe. Miami, we'll I hate Miami, but they're legit. We we can officially say Miami's legit. Yeah, I hate Miami too, but they are legit. Um, okay, let's go to the Nuggets and the Suns. Two two. Um, I don't know where to start here. Um, this this hasn't surprised me at all. Mm-hmm. Now I was uh, more confident in Denver. Uh, I was more confident in Denver closing the series. Or at least being yeah. up three one, yeah. But Phoenix followed the only blueprint they had. Jack, and and by Jack, their two star players, Jack. Yeah, and it worked. Yep. Is it sustainable? Absolutely not. Do I even believe they'll get to like another game or two? To be honest with you, no. Mm-hmm. I mean. Harden Harden was one thing with Philly because it's him being more aggressive. It's him taking shots. I used to love seeing him take uh, mm-hmm. with the mid range. So like it doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me if Harden had another m- massive game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about scorching hot. D book D book these last two three games has just been nuclear hot. He's only missed like. I think 10 like shots. Five shots, like, if that, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something crazy. Yeah. I mean, again, did I think Fien- them two jacking would bring them back in the series? No, I didn't. But uh-huh. I also didn't think Booker would be shooting 75 plus percent. Yeah. And, and they're getting to the line a lot more than I thought they would be yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially KD. But, but Booker, man, like, it's gotten to the point where it doesn't matter who which defender they throw at him. 
Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter if it's in transition, if it's in a like a set play, if it's just attack a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, these last couple games, he's just been the best player on the court, hands down. Yes, he, he absolutely has. And and this is one thing we mentioned this throughout the season. One luxury for Booker is Booker. Um, there's no player that a team helps get open more than Booker. Other than, I mean, obviously Steph is up there, but Steph even, even Steph is still like one screen, two screens. Booker, all four players on offense. Work and and to Phoenix does it in different ways. Like Golden State's very predictable with how they get specifically Steph open. Mm-hmm. With Phoenix, it's in so many different ways. It is. It is. And um, the other thing is, another luxury he has now with Durant is now it's the second best defender guarding Booker most of the time, not the best. Yes. right? Because you, your best defender has to guard KD. So now you have the second best defender on Booker and who's and against Denver, who really has no like lockdown defenders. Uh, I guess Bruce Brown is this, is their second best defender. Aaron Gordon, KCP. Aaron Gordon has been doing a good job on KD, but he can't check to your point Booker at the same time. Right, so that that's another thing. I'm not I'm not saying that means that's why Booker is on fire. Booker is just on fire, like super fire. But in those moments where KD is also playing well, there's it's so hard to guard two guys that are playing that well like that and shooting that well. Um, so they look good, man. I mean, those two look good, and no one else on the team really looks good to me. Uh, Shamit played really that, big in this last game. I mean, but, it took it took Monty to Game Four to yeah. play the fucking roster. Yep, and I it, hate how he went from not playing a fucking soul to giving everybody a chance and benching guys he had been playing too much. Like Biombo and Damian Lee and Wayne Wright didn't play at all in this last game. Damian Lee. Three guys, she- Thank God, finally. First three guys off the bench in this game was Ross, Shamit, and Warren, who hadn't played in the other games. You know, we only played garbage minutes in the other games. So, you know, nice nice adjustment, I guess. It's yeah. not even really an adjustment, but... But at yeah. least now you look like you have some semblance of depth. Even if it's, yeah. it's fake... But it's still like something versus literally nothing. Yeah. Tori Craig didn't play either in this game. And he started in a game earlier. He, he's been so, like getting phased out of the rotation. I'm I cannot understand why, but so quick. He went from starting to being out of the rotation in three averaging games. seventeen last series, something like that. Like between fifteen yeah. and twenty points. And yeah. now he's he doesn't belong on the court, Monty? Yeah, he played seven seconds in this game, in game four. So, um, yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix is doing their thing. And how do you feel about Jokic having the fifty-three and eleven, and then still losing? What do you think? What do you attribute that to? You know what I attribute that to? It it really bothers me that. Uh, Booker and KD got help before Jamal Murray and Jokic did. Mm-hmm. Like Shamit, 
Shamit kind of, you know, was a massive factor in them winning this last game. Yeah. And I expected Denver to have multiple guys who could do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's like, we're, we're getting to the point where there's an APB out for Michael Porter Jr. What is he doing? Yeah, he, he hits like two shots in a row and then he's done for like the rest and of the And he hits half. two shots on guys who I'm like, dude, he could abuse these guys like the entire game. Yeah. And he can't like create a shot after that. And it's really weird. And, and really honestly, weird. like really paying attention to this last game, it's yeah. a lot of it is his fault. Like they'll mm-hmm. run a pin down for him. He won't cut hard. Like why? You're not going to get open. You don't cut hard. You know, if, you, if you're right. not reading the defender, you're not going to get an easy opportunity. Right. You used to love how he crashed the boards. I haven't noticed him on the glass. Nope. And he, so, and he got rebounds, but most of them were, you know, came just, to him. Just, yeah, tall guy, ball came to me, you know, I got it. Yeah. But he's been out there for long stretches, and he's been, like, as invisible as John Collins was for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Also, when he does get rebounds, he gives it up quick. He kind of slows the break where we know he's as good of a ball handler, I mean, a good enough ball handler to get the rebound and push the ball. And he probably could go coast coast on uh coast to coast on Phoenix if he wanted to. But yeah, so, he, again, I thought Jokic played there. well, but Denver like Denver doesn't have they're not dynamic playing just through Jokic and Murray with no creativity, no sets, with guys standing mm-hmm. around. I I just I don't see that two v two working against KD and Booker. No. It, it doesn't it doesn't work against them because it takes way too many dribbles from those guys. Like with Jokic handling the ball, he takes a long time to do something. Or, you know, to draw draw the defense. It takes a lot of him backing down. And I think in especially in this last game, it seemed like Monty said, Look, if he tries to draw a defense, just let him go. We're not gonna keep leaving guys to go yeah. get Jokic for him to have a twenty assist game. And he, she still gets his assist because guys can still score. But I didn't see them all rushing from their man to crowd Jokic and to um, open up passing lanes for Jokic as much as they had been doing in the last in the other games. And if you just want to want to beat me with Jokic, you know, putting up Wilt numbers, I don't think Denver is good enough to do that. No. And Jokic now- isn't that kind of guy to do that either. And now, and now you've let Durant and Booker like completely figure out the, the what you're doing defensively. Mm-hmm. So, so now the margin of error is even smaller for Denver. Yeah. Like if I, I think obviously winner of Game Five is going to win the series. I agree. But I'm going to be honest. I'm leaning towards uh towards Phoenix. Um. I think that I don't think anyone loses at home in this series. I think it goes to seven, Denver and seven. That's, how, that's what fair. I would call it. Um, yeah, that, that'll that be my guess if Denver wins this next game. Yeah. Um, it is tough, though. Also, Aaron Gordon can't give them, I mean, he has to be more consistent in his contributions to them on offense. Would he take like five shots, something like that? He took 10, but 
they were, you know, an invisible like 10. Exactly, yeah. That, that's I the remember problem. he hit the one, he hit the early, like, jab corner three, and I don't think mm-hmm. I saw him shoot the ball again. Right. And, and that can't happen in in this uh, in this series. You, you need more from him. That's that's um, what's De- the fact that Denver these last couple games has gotten into the two v two battle mm-hmm. is just not a good recipe for them. No one shot over two two free throws than um, than Jokic, other than Jokic. Nobody, not made shot more than two free throws. So that means like everyone got fouled maybe once. Yeah. So. You got to find a, some kind of balance. Yeah. And Gordon, as athletic as he is, he can't, he didn't even get to the line in this game at all. Like KCP, yeah. I expect KCP to go games without taking free throws. But Gordon, if he's not aggressive enough to get fouled, then he's not playing hard enough to me. Yeah. Or the team. Him and right Porter now. Jr., man, like they, they have to step up. And I don't want to hear, again, KCP, some of those other guys, like sometimes they just won't get a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. But a, Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon get a lot of touches, a lot of opportunity. It, it's like the Tobias Harris thing. Like you're out there too much. They pass you the ball too much. It's your fault if you're not playing well. Yeah, and, and they're both mismatches. Like Porter Jr. is a six a six nine shooting guard. Yep. There's no reason why he shouldn't take more than ten shots in a game. Same thing with Gordon. He's, you know, another athletic freak, the most athletic player in the gym most nights. You got to give me more than 10 shots. You got to get fouled. At least go try to dunk on somebody and get a foul. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm not too surprised by the series either. Uh, I will say um, we're about to get into L.A., Golden State. Yeah. Whoever comes out of this series we just talked about, yeah, is getting their ass whooped by one of these teams. By whoever's coming out of which series? I mean, uh, you know, assuming L.A. is up three-one as we're recording, yeah, uh, and we're about to talk about both teams. But to me, like, like Miami and then Boston, Philly. That's kind of how it's looking right now. Yeah. That's that's an even matchup to me. Uh-huh. What I'm seeing from Denver Phoenix versus what I'm seeing from Golden State and Los Angeles, yeah, is two different levels. You're taking the who, the winner of Warriors and yes. Lakers. Yeah, yes, me too. Me and too. I I would bet money if if I had money to to throw around. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. So let's get into it. LA is up 3-1. Yes. Massive game four. Uh prefaced by game. three blowouts. Yes. Um, did you take anything significant away from the first three games? Um not really. Nothing <laughs> not really. new, right? I, Nothing surprising. Yeah, the Warriors a little sloppy. The Lakers, you know, guys stepped up. We mentioned the role players probably weren't going to be too much of a factor in this series for the Lakers, and they weren't in those first three games. I mean, it was it came down to the best players for the most part, uh, especially the first two games. Um, the game three, L.A. 
Um, everyone played really good in that one. D'Angelo Russell looked fantastic in that one. Um, when he steps up, they look they look really good. Um, but other than that, no, I wasn't surprised by anything. You I know what? Have any one thing I'll games. give the Lakers credit that has surprised me. Mm-hmm. Darwin Ham has gone toe-to-toe with Steve Kerr. Oh, he definitely has. His strategy like, is there. Granted, granted, uh, Darwin Ham has a lot more options and things he could do. Yeah. But he's utilized all those tools. It, it's not like he's just, you know, wasting the bench. We just mm-hmm. will get to that in a sec. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's been playing different guys. You know, he's been trusting different guys. He's been putting mm-hmm. different guys on Steph Curry, which has been huge. Yeah. Uh he's he's really showing he's impressed me, man. I can't even I can't hate on him. If, if I didn't we didn't get too deep into Monty Williams just because I didn't want to. I did enough off air. I don't really feel like doing it on air right now. But when it comes to utilizing everything you have, trying everything, I you can see that Darwin goes and watches the tape and goes in the lab, uses the whiteboard and looks at what he's going to do before every game. You can see that on the court with the Lakers. And and the thing is part of that. How do I say this without being like too negative? Part of that is because he's not a good coach. I should say, shouldn't say good, not an experienced Inexperienced. Yeah. Yeah. Part of that is because he's inexperienced, so he has to do much more pregame prep and come into the strategy. And that's knowing himself and knowing the team. He has to do a lot more pregame prep and more off-the-court strategy before they come on the court and do it. And a lot of other coaches, you know, I think Kerr is someone who at halftime can – the Warriors come out in the second half completely different than they played the first half. They do that a lot. And Lakers and Darwin, they're not that kind of guy. He usually uses halftime for motivation, it seems like to me, mm-hmm. from what I've noticed. They just go out there and they just play harder. There's no new strategy. But you can see that every game has been a different strategy, and he's used different guys in different ways. I notice guys in different places on the court. in uh, Like in the next game, like Roy was – um was more on the wings in the first two games. Second two games, I see him in the corner, kind of short corner, kind of coming into the block more. Um, You know, Vanderbilt was full court in the first two games. Last two games, he's kind of been, you know, um, almost more as like the help defender. Yeah. Uh, So he's he's making a lot of adjustments. And it's pretty cool to see, actually. Yeah. I really like some of the defensive stuff. Uh, to your point, like Vanderbilt did a really good job on Steph uh, the mm-hmm. first game. And yeah. they they did that that defense where they're like preventing you from using the pin down. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're playing top side, you call it, where they're kind of denying the path to, to come off the screen. Yep, yep. And the Warriors adjusted uh, in their win. They started going high pick and roll. Mm -hmm. Just simplify it. Let's space it out. Let's bring out, you know, the bigs and attack them in space. Yeah. But now the Lakers have countered that 
to where now Austin Reeves is the guy who's taken. It'll probably change this next game, but Austin mm-hmm. Reeves has taken Steph, and now Vanderbilt has roamed guarding Draymond. Yeah, and and it actually worked. I didn't even think of it in the moment, but uh, Vanderbilt guarding Draymond has sh- kind of shut down the short roll domination that the Warriors are used to. Mm-hmm. Again, because. Even though you like you're telling him to ignore uh, Draymond Green to an extent, Vanderbilt's yeah. so active, it, it, you're just wreaking havoc. Yeah, yeah. And he's got the size for it. You know, Anthony Davis has been this kind of the same way, where he's just breaking up everything with his size. So it, it's been really interesting to see Darwin like almost make, slowly start to make the roster look better and better than we already thought. Yeah, and he's not afraid to go small with, like, four guards and Anthony Davis out there, which is what the Warriors usually play with, four guards and a and a power forward. He's He hasn't been afraid to do the same thing with Schroeder and Lonnie Walker and D'Angelo and Reeves um, yeah. out there with LeBron or Anthony Davis down low so yeah it, it has it has really been interesting and it's been successful obviously they're up 3-1 all right um, so before we really deep dive game four what did you see from the Warriors in those first three I just oh before game four before game four um I I really liked that the other players were being aggressive outside of Steph, and I thought that helped him, at least in the win in the first game that was pretty close. I thought it really helped having everyone kind of – everyone looks like they're energetic. They were moving around a lot. Um, I think Jermichael Green, even though he didn't shoot well, I think he gave them a little boost um, while Looney was, I think, sick. Uh, I really liked what Moses Moody brought on the court. It seemed like he was – he was very active a lot. Um, but negatively, the, the the defense just isn't there for the Warriors for me. Um, the Lakers over, aren't hitting. They're overmatched. Yeah. The Lakers aren't hitting a lot of, like, um, no. like spectacular shots. No. They're, just hit, they're just making, like, good plays. That's why when D-loading hits five threes and a half – for the Lakers, it looks like uh, Milwaukee's only playoff win. Like when they hit twenty threes, where it's just like a barrage for them. Yeah, and and you can do that when the rest of the team is playing steady, and then you can have one spectacular moment, and that's a guaranteed win most of the time. But if the team isn't playing steady, or if you know the, the other team's playing better defense, then the spectacular moment may not amount to a win. But in this situation, it's like I, I don't, the guys are getting by the Warriors players. The Lakers players are getting by the Warriors players. And the Warriors players are not adapting to, like, it's not even the help that's the problem. It's it's the guys who aren't helping. I don't know if they're ball watching or just losing their man when someone drives. Like, when someone drives, they have no idea what to do to – Yes. Guard everybody else, it feels like. And um 
You know what's really been disturbing for me? Go ahead. One drive and kick, the Warriors' defense is completely broken down. Like, it's over. If you get into the paint and one kick out, and then from there on, everyone is guarding the wrong guy. Uh, DiVincenzo is, like, spinning around in circles because he doesn't know where his man is all the time. Uh, That happens a lot, yeah. (laughs) Poole is, like, his help is just watching and, like, hoping for the rebound to come off his way. Um, they just get guys way out of position off of one, like one broken down play. I I think the fouling has been atrocious. Oh, it definitely has. You're like, right. yeah, I can't even complain that the the Lakers are getting way more calls because mm-hmm. the the Warriors hack in like the dumbest ways. They do, and it, it's like a collective problem for the roster Mm -hmm. like and it's it's guys like Draymond will have three fouls and then just carelessly throw his fourth foul away like Steph Mm -hmm. does the same thing Clay well like these everybody's careless with fouls everybody's like getting there late and trying to just like pluck or go for steals on the boards again I understand we're undersized but we can't box out with forearms like we can't shove guys and then get mad that the refs are calling it. Like that's yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. And some of it is credit to the Lakers. They've been more physical. They've been more like, it's been more of a focal point for them to dominate inside. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, we're in this last game And what really disturbed me is offensively. This series seems like two teams going toe to toe. Mm-hmm. And and you can kind of you could look at it as as like a glass half full kind of like we did with Sacramento when it was two two, yeah. Where it's like Golden State and the two losses was right there. You know, a couple things go their way, they're fine. Again, here you're not. It's not two two. It's three one. Mm-hmm. And offensively, yeah, you're you're still dynamic, but it's yeah. everything is from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I mean, Austin Reeves is making critical plays by getting to the line. Yep. Schroeder is getting to the line. I mean, every one of their guys, Lonnie Walker, all these guys are getting to the line versus uh, Gary Payton, who was a was an excellent adjustment by Steve Kerr to, to put him in the starting lineup. Yep. Everything is on the perimeter. Zero free throws. Moses Moody. He, I don't think he missed. Everything is on the perimeter. Zero free throws. Paul Jordan Paul has he gotten yeah. a layup? He the one game I think it was game game two. He was getting layup after layup after layup, and he looks great. Since then, nothing. Nothing. And again, it's not been the Lakers like focusing in on him. Again, the oh, only man. guy they focused in on is Steph. In the, in in this game four, Steph let's, made four. Let's talk throws. about it. Let's let's really deep dive the Warriors' performance in this game four. Yeah, uh, Steph got to the line. Wiggins got to the line. Draymond got to the line, and then Looney bricked two free throws. No one else even got to the line. Um, in in this game, you're not going to beat a good team. You wouldn't be a worse team than the Lakers 
with only one player having more than 20 points. Like, it's just not going to happen. Not in today's game. If if Steph had 60 in this game and no one else had 20, they weren't going to beat the Lakers. It's just impossible. So and Listen, Steph did, outside of shoot like Devin Booker, he did everything he possibly could to win this game. He did, yeah. And it, it hurt to watch his the only two guys that truly helped him out was Andrew Wiggins and a guy who just got thrown into the starting lineup in Gary Payton. Yeah, a guy that they didn't even re-sign this year. Right. So, yeah. Like, and what's, what's gross is the shot selection is getting worse. It is. Like, as the second half, because the Warriors were in control first half, they built a lead early in the third quarter, and you know, blew it again, similar to game three, mm-hmm. where the game is slipping away and the shot selection is getting worse. Yep. I mean, for, for Clay to be as horrible as he's been essentially the entire series, mm-hmm. when he came off that like really high uh screen uh and got the ball, and he's like three to five steps behind the line. The mm-hmm. guy hit the guy who's guarding the screener is right there. Yeah. And he put that shit up. I know you know exactly the shot I'm talking about because it was a disgusting backboard, like barely touched rim brick. Yeah. With time left on the clock. Yeah. In a game that's that was at that point, I don't remember the exact score, but it was either they were up one, maybe they were down a, a bucket. It was close. It was a close game. And you're throwing up prayers. Yeah. You just, you just kind of got going. You were patient. You moved without the ball. You relocated. You got a wide open corner three and and splashed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what possessed you when when Steph is dominating the game? What possesses you to take a shot like that? Clay, man, they they think that every shot they hit is going to be like a backbreaker, and it is. But you don't you don't look for backbreakers; they find you. And, and I think that the Warriors go looking for them, looking for these these daggers instead of letting them come to them and just getting buckets. And same thing with Pool. Pool, every shot Pool takes looks like it's like a game winner. How he looks. Yes, not, not like how the game looks, but he shoots it like, oh, if I hit this, the game's over. And it's like, bro, it's why to fifteen. Just hit yes. a shot. <laughs> yeah, dude. Just I, hit a Clay, Clay, and Poole have been just like out of their mind this series. I, I don't understand why they've been they've been borderline garbage in this series, dude. This last Poole has been garbage in this. This series. last game, I can't believe I'm saying this. Steve Kerr, like clearly fucking benched and took a lot of his minutes. Yeah. And he wasn't wrong. (laughs) Right. He wasn't wrong. The last play Jordan Poole made before Steve Kerr said, I've had enough of this shit, Mm -hmm. was get a wide open pull up and he just loses the ball. Yep. Like in a key game where we're possession for possession, we're down to one. Our star player is alone. Yeah. 
and and you're out again him and clay are out there like like the game doesn't fucking matter like we're in the middle of the regular season trying to get our rhythm back yeah what are you doing what yeah. happened to to motion what happened to waiting for the shots to find you what happened to backdooring for layups i mean the and lakers pool- are so high side like you just have to cut and pool can get to the basket whenever he wants to he talked about it all season, all playoffs. He can get to the basket whenever he wants to. He can get fouled, but they want to be cute. They want to take the tough shots. Um, they, uh, they'd they rather make a layup instead of getting fouled when they have the three, three of the top five best free throw shooters to ever play basketball on the team. Yeah. They'd rather hit, like, hit a tough layup instead of just getting fouled. Just go get fouled. You guys have played against Harden enough that – to know it's okay to just go right to the basket looking to get fouled. Forget about making the basket. But, you know, Poole likes to go back and forth on the baseline, freak guys out, and try to throw it up without getting touched. Um, Clay acts like he's afraid of contact a lot of times. They're it's, just... it's rough, man. This, is, this last game, even though it was close, to, to me, this was the worst they looked. They looked better than this in the blowout. Dude, to look to look significantly worse than the Lakers in the clutch, like, yeah, I promise you, the Lakers haven't looked good in the clutch all year. Mm-hmm. And and you looked significantly inferior. Yeah, I mean, did you not expect? Again, you 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 started spamming high pick and rolls since game two. You didn't mm-hmm. think Darwin Ham would figure that out? You didn't think down the stretch of a close game they would save their their final weapon, the Anthony Davis switch. You didn't think they'd bring that out in a in a massive game down the stretch. I did. I I also did. And again, we've seen the movie with Steph Curry in an isolation attacking a big who he should get a good shot on. Mm-hmm. That's not been the key to their dynasty, right? Again, they after that game one, it's almost like they gave up on motion. Mm-hmm. And it's so much Steph. It's so much Steph that now, again, some of that is why Poole and Clay are playing like garbage. Mm-hmm. The rhythm is off. The shot distribution is off. They're, they have these possessions where like they don't have that ball movement where everybody's passing and and the the scrubs touch the ball even if it's for no reason yeah it it's like they they're overreacting to so much of what the lakers have done and mm-hmm. it's been premature they aren't they aren't playing like they're the better team in it. no this in their losses they're not playing like they're the better team they're playing like they're the underdogs and you know i think I think most people think they're the better team. I think they're the better team. But, you know, you're only as good as how you play. And so. I mean, look, credit to Anthony Davis. He's been an unstoppable monster in the three wins. Especially on the boards. Yeah, on the boards. Defensively, he's just been wreaking havoc. I mean, yeah. not a, like none of them can attack him individually. Mm-hmm. And I thought Steph in that first game made – a horrible mistake trying to like test Anthony Davis at the rim. Mm-hmm. 
and was getting stuffed. Yeah, like five blocks. Yeah, it was game. just getting yeah. stuffed. To rip. Like, dude, it's different against Sacramento. Against Sacramento, you can get a fucking layup with your eyes closed. Yeah. I mean, again, the Lakers are committed to not letting you get inside. Mm-hmm. That's why it's looked, again, the offenses have looked similar, like as far as firepower. Yeah. But the Lakers have dictated essentially every game. Yep. Yep. Man, this this was a tough game four loss. I mean, Steph down the stretch was with some some boneheaded plays, but he was he was tired. He looked tired. tired. Yeah, and and when no one else is helping you, you you don't know who to pass it to. You you lose confidence in your teammates at a certain point. I mean, you shouldn't, but I, I can imagine. All right, I tried to get it to Clay. Clay doesn't want to play hard. I tried Pool. He's playing like garbage. You know, it, it, I bet Steph had a hard time figuring out. Okay, who else is playing good today? Because really, no one else was. No, I mean, so you have I would even say Wiggins and and Gary Payton played well. Like ninety percent of their baskets and good shots were from Steph. Yeah. Especially Gary Payton, I'm pretty sure every one of his basket was a Steph assist. Yeah, it felt like it at least. I mean, yeah. he was, again, Steph can't do both. He can't uh, rebound. He can't score all the baskets like D-Book. He can't distribute all the good shots. Like, And and he's he's got to get stops on like top-tier athletes who are as well-rested as anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. It, this man, this was a really tough second half. I just coming into this series, I didn't think we'd have to look back on the Warriors that like Steph was alone. Because mm-hmm. if you had told me it'd be one splash brother trying to match whatever the fuck the Lakers got, mm-hmm. I would have told you that this would be a, a rough series. Yeah, but Poole and Clay, man, I, I really thought they would play better, or at least I, I thought they'd have bigger, like big games at least. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so, Paul, this series you got Lakers in five, six, six. Yeah, yeah. No, no way, no way. Golden State allows this to happen at Oracle. There's no shot. I, I think, um, I'll say, I think it'll be Lakers in seven. I think Golden State will win back to back. You think they'll take lose. it to seven and lose? Lose at home, yeah. Wow. I think so. Wow. I think so. That, that's that's my call for it. The Lakers are so bizarre. It, it, part of the Warriors' defensive problems is the Lakers are such a strange – like, they play in such a weird way. Yeah, they have a lot of um, very unorthodox guards. Yeah, like, and they do this like they do this like feed Daniel the Russell guards thing. Yeah, uh, and normally I, it's gross. Any other like time I could pick, like Philly often like just kind of forces it to Maxi, forces it to Harden, and then like Melton forces shots, so it just looks horrible. Yep. But with the Lakers, for for Lonnie Walker to hit two shots and then dictate like eighty percent of their shots in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I was watching that. I was like, "Like, hold up, am I looking at Lonnie Walker 
with LeBron and AD working hard to get him open? I mean, who has that dynamic in the league? Nobody. Not a, not a single roster. I mean, not even close, to be honest. Yeah. So that, that was really eye-opening that the Lakers could trust their depth in a game like that. And yeah. it, like, really paid off in such a good way. Yeah. And Lonnie Walker only got in the rotation because Ham saw they needed a runner out there. Yeah. So, yep. again, credit to him and, and credit huge credit to Lonnie Walker, who was just awesome this last game. Yeah, he looks good. He looks really, really, really good. Really poised, made a lot of hustle plays. Yep. Um, good playoffs, man. I mean, even the even the series that aren't that close. I mean, there it's been really, really fun to watch. This has been a fun playoffs. We've said it every round, but it's getting more and more exciting. And we're really getting to really getting to learn what a lot of these players are made of. Mm-hmm. What a lot of guys' weaknesses are, what these rosters, like some of the weaknesses the rosters have that we couldn't really see consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks were one of the most physical teams all year, and they're getting killed on the glass. Yep. So, like, you know, it shows that regular season, some of the stuff is is maybe fluky. Mhm. Yep. All right. Uh, you got anything else? No, we'll be back. Been a lot of coaching uh, changes we ends. haven't talked about. Hmm. Been a lot of coaching changes we haven't talked about. We can get into those later off season. Yeah, I mean, but... I, I want to see uh, with the coaching stuff. I'm curious how the draft goes too. Because mm-hmm. that'll really tell us like the the direction of the team. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Wizards still haven't even interviewed a GM, as far as I know. Draft <laughs> is like not that long away. What? Twenty uh, seventh? No. No, that's a uh, info. No, NBA draft is when June second week of June. I don't even know why I wore the shirt. <laughs> uh, I don't know what day it is, but uh, it it's interesting. And especially now, there's new draft rules where guys have to go to the combine and stuff like that. So that's that's going to be interesting as well. I'm going to um keep an eye on the draft this year. Uh, should be, be interesting. Should be exciting. Yeah. Oh, Ronnie chose USC. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I like it. I like it too. I didn't expect it. Uh, Clearly, he's trying to carve his own path, which I love. And and he's – I trust his progression, to be honest, more than anything else. Yeah. I I really think from what I've seen, I think he's going to get a a chance to make it to the league. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, going to USC, he's going to have a super green light. I think they're a team that probably doesn't have necessarily Final Four ambitions. But I saw, I saw their class. I think they had a big man who was like a top, you know, like a five star recruit. Uh, Mm -hmm. They had another guard who was a really big prospect. So they might surprise you. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. But Ronnie, I, I wouldn't. I would be surprised if he went somewhere that already had like a fully formed team that was doing things that had a squad like together already. I, I think that this is a good move for him if he wants to like really look good in his own right. Like you said, carve his own path. Yeah. For him to really show out, he's gonna have to go to a team like this, like USC. Yeah. And uh, did let me ask you: Do you think he would have gone to Duke if Coach K was still there? Mm. No, I think it's okay. too far. Okay, too far from home. Yeah, I I mean I I get it. I think he would have thought about it, but I think that this LA movement was a really like a big family thing for LeBron. Mm-hmm. So I think he would have stayed in the West somewhere. Maybe yeah, I Arizona, see that. Um, Stanford, something like that. I think he would have stayed further West, but maybe. I don't know. Maybe Coach K would have convinced him. Or yeah. or Roy, one of those guys. Right, could have yeah, convinced him. But I was I was selfish. I wanted Michigan State, but I understand. That would have been that would have been really interesting. Yeah. Michigan State's if he picked, if he picked like again USC, I know nothing about. But if he picked like, uh, like a program with a coach I trust, like mm-hmm. a Marquette, uh, maybe a, maybe even Texas, mm-hmm. uh, that that would be very interesting to me. You know, LeBron, LeBron being um the, you know who he is, it wouldn't have mattered what coach he went to because. It still would have been LeBron coaching, basically, you know, coaching him. Yeah, that's true. But USC coach um, used to coach at Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, before I went there, I went to Florida Gulf Coast for the listeners. Um, but he is a good coach. He coached. I think he coached that Dunk City team. Um, exciting, running kind of game. He's been there for a while too. So, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, and it'd give just college another exciting team uh, mm-hmm. to, to watch all year. So it'd be fun. Yeah, they'll get a lot of televised games, I'm sure, even though they'll be late. A lot of televised games. I'm, I'm just happy he, could, come, he didn't fake on, on college, man. This is a good look for college basketball. Yeah, yeah. Because if, if he really – he to me, if he really chose, like, the, the G League path, the straight to the pros – yeah, like with how big of a progression he made, how famous he is, I think that would have would have uh, would have shown a lot of people to maybe take a closer look at that path. Hmm. What do you think, uh, Shaq's son took that path? I mean, he went to college too, but he ended up with the ignite, and um, you know, kind of went unnoticed. He was on the Lakers. I think he was on the summer league for somebody. Was it the Lakers? I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I he definitely was for, out there for a, a little bit, but yeah. Uh, his his thing was the injury, though. He yeah, he had a lot of injuries. That really, but the big one, he had like a heart open heart surgery or yep. something. Yeah, yeah. That really offset his progression as a player, man. That sucked. It did. It did. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Um, thanks for listening. As always, subscribe, follow us. Um, we'll be back probably when the Eastern and Western Conference Finals series start. So, looking forward to that. Um, 
and we'll see you guys next time.